Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Zachary Allard. And I'm Michael Tabor. And this week, we have a very special guest with us. We have Grim from Twitter. Grim, welcome to the pod. <laughs> Hi, how y'all doing? Our official foreign correspondent of Shitty Christians, here to educate <laughs> us on many topics. Well, because we're an anti-reading podcast, we have to outsource that yeah, to us. Yeah, it's very important. <laughs> someone, in a, someone in a foreign country, notably Texas in this case. <laughs> Six um, Flags Over Texas, baby. <laughs> I once saw Jars of Clay and Cayman's call at Six Flags Over Texas. <laughs> that's a I pretty think, cool story, man. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, that's legit. It's an important detail of my life. Uh, what are we talking about today, Michael? Uh, so we are going to be taking some time to dive into Ukraine, Russia, how hot Zelensky is. Uh, you know, we, we <laughs> talked a little bit about this pre-invasion, but but now that we have all been living in the modern hellscape for a couple more weeks, mm -hmm. we figured it was time to do a deep dive. And because we don't know anything, uh, we went and found someone <laughs> who did. So Grim is here to educate us on how cool and good NATO is and how <laughs> lethal aid is just a really nice thing to do for people. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure that's it. I think that that really covers everything. All you need to Hell know. Yeah. Nailed the take. First no one's for everything. ever done anything wrong on NATO's side. Uh, <laughs> no. And that's really, that's really all we need to know. Cool. Great. I love God. it. I, I love a short Well episode. done, guys. Uh, where yeah. is our, our think tank money? I would like, I would like all the money now. It, oh, I will say, like, part of the reason I wanted to do this is it completely drives me crazy. I have the uh, the nine eleven brain, where mm -hmm, a mo yes. the moment after nine eleven, all sorts of things that were like considered just agreeable facts across mm -hmm. the board, all of a sudden were like, nope, not anymore. And um, that's kind of what's happened with like Putin's invasion is. Um, Every the board just gets wiped and it's like, well, we have to, you know, Ukraine are the good guys because they're fighting Putin and there's no ambiguity about it. And uh, anything you hear negative about Ukraine, uh, especially from people who, uh, you know, read about this shit contemporaneously, it's all false. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you are clearly Putin's agent. So, of course, we are platforming you on our podcast. <laughs> Uh, but no, it's true. You uh, not to do the cardinal sin of podcasting, which is bringing up Twitter threads. But you had a great thread, sort of chronicling nine eleven propaganda and yeah. all of the craziness that came after that. And I was thinking just this week, I was just like, man, it's really wild to watch that happen again in real time. Like I yeah. was a child functionally. Uh, I was like thirteen when nine eleven happened, and like still very nascent in any sort of political understanding uh so it's really weird to watch it just happen again but now have all the knowledge it feels like i'm in the second half of bloodborne and i can now see the monsters <laughs> hovering over me it's very uncomfortable man spoilers jesus yeah <laughs> sorry, wow sorry. my god man <laughs> hey listen i'm not playing elden ring right now and twitter has been spoiling that for me for weeks so this is my payback for you latecomers <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to uh, talk about how the uh, the second half of Elden Ring is like the Dombus. Uh, <laughs> Most popular episode we've ever recorded. It's a little problematic that they put Azov in there, but at least it was as an enemy. Uh, right, but so Azov does in. not exist. It is five people, and yeah. they mm -hmm. all disappeared. And, and they're, they're all just very photogenic, which is why they keep popping up in photos. By the way, the part that really, like, kills me with Azov stuff is the whole, mm -hmm. like, 
there were 14,000 people killed in the Donbass, like, yeah. civil war. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And it's like, who were killing all those people? I mean, we had one side killing people, but who was on the other? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Interesting question. So let's let's dive in. Uh, Grim, I'm going to really give you the free reign to start where you think is best to start um, in terms of understanding how we got here and what is happening now. I swear to God, though, if you go to the Franco-Prussian War, we are here for it. <laughs> yeah, we're, no. yeah, that's fine. No, that's I'm going to start really modern because I think modern but more in-depth is probably better. Um, so everyone knows Soviet Union had uh, its little breakup, and uh, the U.S. basically agreed to be Russia's military in exchange for Russia not having a standing military, as well as like you know uh, I said Russia, I meant Ukraine, uh, yeah. as well. Yeah. I, you know already, man. Damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Strap in, guys. It's going to be a fun ride. (laughs) Uh, Ukraine, as well as Ukraine giving up its nuclear capabilities, which Mm -hmm. their nuclear capabilities um, were already uh, not necessarily in their control, per se. Like, it was basically Mm -hmm. Russian Soviet Mm -hmm. officials who controlled all of them and who had allegiance Mm -hmm. to, like, Russian causes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Ukraine basically did what it kind of had to do at the time for independence um sure and then you had like the orange revolution so are you are either you familiar with the orange revolution i know uh, it i'm happens. gonna say yes yeah <laughs> well and I, I i'm aware of sort of like you know color revolutions in general and and how these things operate but please give us details on this so in 04 uh, uh oh god let me make sure it's 04 yeah 04 to 05 um the, they, you know, Ukraine had its own color revolution, and it was all triggered by um, basically electoral fraud, uh, according mm, to uh, mm. uh, to the the popular vote. Um, it also, like, ironically, just ends with you know the guy who was ousted eventually came back, which makes it even funnier. Um, <laughs> Ukrainian politics is just a mess and they have zero stability and it's the my main thesis is that both NATO and Putin are use Ukraine as a pawn in a power exchange between each other and as a result they're just the you know volumetric shit compressor that gets fucked every time yeah, Fuck. yeah I'm really glad to hear you say that because that is 100% been my take it's just like Yep, this is just a story of a country that has been uh, a victim of both of these sides for a very long time. Right. Wait, and guys. Whatever happens, it will not be good for Ukraine. That much yeah. is assured. But guys, haven't you seen the 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 uh, the memes with Zelensky <laughs> as one of the Avengers, and and we're, so, we're we're the good guys? I'm, I'm pretty sure. We'll get to the propaganda, but I want to get into the I history. Know, I know. Let's let's keep uh, going. <laughs> So they have their color revolution, and it's uh, it's extremely funny almost in that <laughs> it uh, – well, because they have a whole bunch of um, – uh, they have a, a whole bunch of uh, constitutional reforms, and it, it's like considered this massive push towards, uh, uh, towards self-governance in Ukraine. And mm-hmm. one thing I never see anyone cover is that, like, the Supreme Court in Ukraine was basically like, yeah, no, six years later. And they all got ripped off the board. Huh. Wow. Right. So it was definitely a uh, 
it was definitely short-lived. They only had those like six years. And that's kind of what started leading to, to Euro Maiden, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the removing of those protections combined with uh, the uh, acting president at the time um, deciding that he didn't want, he wanted to align with Russia over the Eurozone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, from a pure Ukrainian safety standpoint, um, and to be clear, uh, he is a shill. He is like a, a yeah. Russian shill Yanukovych. Like that's yeah. not uh, that's not really debatable. But it's kind of in the same sense that like most Mexican presidents are American shills. Mm-hmm. Right. There's right. a certain level of practicality on that front. Um, yeah, and American presidents are APAC shills. I got you. I follow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he had a really uh, good quote from the time. Uh, and uh, God, I'm trying to remember. It was something along the lines of uh, it's it's never wise to sleep next to a big bear. Mm. Um, it, basically kind of the whole like, you know, eventually Russia is there and is going to like want control over your domain. So giving your control to someone else who's not physically there is not great, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Ukraine has had to parlay in order to exist for a huge section of modern history. Right. And this was wildly like unpopular at the time. Um, It was, it was pretty much, it divided the country kind of down the middle um mm. the thing to always know is like the donbas region is not unilaterally russian but it's mm. got enough russian support organically and inorganically from both people there identifying as russian there's just enough of those plus enough of putin literally just doing normal disinformation campaigns mm-hmm. um to get get a decent a big enough chunk to basically maintain control if they have backing right Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the rest of Ukraine, which, uh, you know, everything to the, the West and that is, uh, that's way more Eurocentric and they, they want to be with the EU. They want to, you know, they liked having those trade agreements with the EU. Yeah. Um, and the EU for the record loved having those agreements with them cause they had the ability to source things from Ukraine, uh, that, basically counted as eu uh trade but without the regulations right so Hmm. if anyone in the eu wants a ton of lumber well they you know ukraine will just illegally source it essentially they'll just like you know that's very helpful because i was reading about lumber operations in ukraine this week and i i hadn't been able to put all the pieces of like oh they can just get around regulations this way Right, and it's one of those things where Europe likes it because it's cheap lumber, and they, mm. they're they very peculiar about their lumber, and they don't really have the kind of uh, fast-growing pine that, you know, America does, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ukraine is, you know, a nothing country to so much of the EU. They don't care about Ukrainian environmental standards, which is right. garbage across the board, by the way. You got the west yeah. side of Ukraine where it's, like, insane amounts of uh, industrial production and um and deforestation all done like quasi legally and then you have the right side the uh the eastern side of ukraine where it's just coal and oil and Mm -hmm. mineral extraction and everything god awful so it's you know you it's kind of a environmental wasteland relative to most of europe i mean poor countries you know the west loves doing that exactly so um 
you know, there's these core conflicts between the two regions and how, I mean, again, it also just makes sense on a practical level, physically aligning with who you're closer to. Um, The people who die most in a Russian invasion are going to be the ones who like are on the Russian side. If that's, uh, if that's where it's happening and they fight back. So of course they're going to have, you know, broader aligned interests. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of this goes back to uh, a verbal and that people think this is like a big own to say it was only verbal, but a, a verbal agreement the United States basically made saying they wouldn't expand NATO uh, East mm-hmm. um, followed by the United States three years later expanding nato east and not stopping for the next 15 years (laughs) we love doing that oh man (laughs) yeah there's also a weird preconception about nato that it's like a defensive organization and uh (laughs) like iraq was essentially a nato operation it didn't get like an article Mm -hmm. five vote but everyone who participated was a nato nation or pakistan Mm -hmm. and uh it, like once America agreed to go in, NATO itself did non-military operations in Iraq, which kind of necessitated even more violence in Iraq. Like they're not, it's not defensive. It's a positional, th- uh, it's positional. And it's, yeah. you know. I think it, that is just such a crucial thing to understand. And I think a lot of the, you know, silly conflicts I've been having with friends and family members over this issue just stems from like, that that that's the fundamental piece that's missing is like if you don't understand what nato's purpose is it's very hard to understand uh how much aggression they have been participating in uh for decades yeah and and without going into the past i mean they were overthrowing governments doing gladios killing people in italy etc during the 20th century Um, they did it in fucking ukraine in 2014 yeah yeah, i really wanted to get to that we don't even have to i'm sorry we don't even have to go to italy i apologize yeah yeah. like and we like us cia super into that like we did a coup in this country less than a decade ago yeah, so like that's what we're talking about there's uh Euro Maiden. Yes. And um that's what I was kind of alluding to with uh Yanukovych not signing the EU agreement, um, and instead saying he wanted to do part of the the fucking Russian Federation. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember what the fuck it was called. The uh here we go, the Eurasian uh congregation. Mm. Um and uh so with that, he uh, uh, Yanukovych basically got outed from office um, and fled to Russia. Um, in the meantime, though, because there was this popular rising, um, and I also got to say one thing that's weird uh, within the context of uh, Ukraine is mm. the politics are kind of reversed for the nationalist. The nationalists are actually kind of globalist, but they're like globalist in a way where like their nationalist uh, military fronts are all like partially run by foreigners. So it's like a world, it's like, it's like, you know, uh, world peace worldwide, but at, you know, we're going to get rid of the Jews and the Roma. Like it's an international it is an inner it, that's one thing that people ignore with azov is how many of them mm-hmm. are just fucking straight up swedish or american mm-hmm. or german nazis yeah um Ugh. 
Yeah, and Azov came about because of the Donbas Revolution, which, uh, you know, was the Civil War immediately after Euromaiden. Um, they get a whole new government, uh, you know, and all of a sudden the uh, eastern portion of Ukraine decides, well, fuck you. If we're just making new governments, we're going to make our own. Um, and that's what the justification for Crimea was, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, morally, Putin propping up the Donbas revolution and then using it as an impetus for territorial control in Crimea and Donbas is like not good. Mm-hmm. But uh, the framing of like, I guess he did it without cause or he did it like there wasn't a little truth to it is is totally off there's a reason he was able to do it and maintain it and it's not Mm -hmm. because everyone there hated him Um, right does it justify killing a lot of people no absolutely not Um, however uh, yeah i think i think it's important to say like nothing that we're talking about here is like a defense of russia invading but it is trying to acknowledge hey this situation is so much more complicated than it's is easy to find like it's hard yeah. to even find truth uh much less have a proper understanding of everything that led up to this this moment it, so yeah and part of the problem with all of this is um uh there's a you know russia has nuclear weapons which gets like completely ignored and that it's so weird to me that people ignore that central premise and it's the foundational reason they act the way they do yes and um this we kind of saw this a little bit with donald trump when uh he said uh you know the the media said well putin's a killer and he said well we're killers too yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and people lost their minds one of the many cool things donald trump said (laughs) literally yes like it yeah i know i'm not joking (laughs) And he, one of the big arguments against it was um, basically just that when Putin does it, it's evil. <laughs> and But it's all killing under the same premise. I'm a nuclear right. power and always have that in my back pocket as like a, why I can't be attacked mm-hmm. conventionally by like real militaries. And that gives me a certain degree of territorial control. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and to be honest, we fucking kill a lot more people than Russia does. Like, oh yeah, overall, like it's not even like questionable. Yeah. So you don't basically get to like keep going with the premise that the United States is moral and gets to do what it does because it has nuclear weapons, and then get mad that Putin's basically following that playbook of well, I have nuclear weapons, and thus I am owed territorial control. You know. Yeah, these are both autocratic authoritarian regimes that do a lot of territorial bullshit. Like, I I think it's very hard for people to conceptualize that this is a situation with no good guys and a lot of victims. Like, when the pain and the victims are so apparent and so, like, on, you see it every day, even from afar, that, like, acknowledging that, like, yeah, this, this is a really awful horrendous situation and nothing America can do will make it better. They've already made it so much worse uh is is a tough pill if you're not already you know as black pilled as we are on, I, I on just global get, politics 
I know that, especially with you two, but even with to a certain extent with our listeners, this is this is preaching the choir. But I go insane. You know, the reason I'm a commie today is because the you know I was a kid during like the Iraq War and Afghanistan War stuff, and it was like we killed millions of people, destroyed mm-hmm. multiple countries, like Libya, like Iraq, Afghanistan. Spent decades pillaging, raping, killing so many civilians, like. Barack Obama was like blowing up Doctors Without Borders hospitals. Like, I just how hey, hey, hey. dare he, I... he apologized for that? Yeah, how dare us? How dare we pretend to be the good guys? Like, and then we've been fomenting Nazis in this country. Like, I just I, I go insane talking to libs when they're like, "Well, we just have to do the right thing, do a new no fly zone, help these guys." And it's like, how have the last twenty years not taught you anything? Yeah, also, a no-fly zone is just, like, you're talking about a possible nuclear exchange. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's already, like, kind of you, makes you unserious when you're discussing Do you like anything. London? I think London should continue to exist. But, yeah, know, I don't like, like London, but I, I would prefer everyone in there not die in a fiery apocalypse. <laughs> Correct take. Uh, Grim, continue. Uh, so... Euromaiden was this uh it's also worth pointing out and i don't think i've said it um this is one of those things that was basically established fact uh nine months ago and is now completely uh, taboo to say but Euromaiden was the culmination of uh, nato and the cia specifically like trying to get ukraine uh uh a national uh a nationalist movement and to yeah. like basically mm-hmm. uh so you can't really use a left-right spectrum, but it was to get pro-European groups in uh, in power explicitly. Yes, mm-hmm. um, and we supported it. And like, it, it's not vague that we supported it. John McCain went over with like the lead organizers of it and was like shaking hands and shit. And we were publicly like, we we didn't announce one more criminal like an to another. <laughs> yeah. We did like a, a an announcement of like there's going to be protest in Ukraine like an hour before it happened. Like we very clearly <laughs> were keyed into what was happening. Well, and we've we've since had documents just showing the CIA's involvement, which they have continued to do and and prep prep these nationalist groups and and fund them long before we were sending billions of dollars in in lethal aid over. Like we we have been in this game for a long time, but we yeah, love- unequivocally the CIA and NATO like funded and, and backed that coup look look here's the thing here's the thing the cia is committed to diversity and we were going to create an <laughs> isis of every color on the globe and i think that's beautiful <laughs> yeah here's kind of like the the practical situation with like ukraine is that it's it's like ukraine should be independent but in the mm-hmm. like global like nuclear power reality, it's sh- like it is safer for it to align with Russia. Yeah. If if NATO would act morally in that, like if if NATO was willing to not fight Russia on it, the fact that Russia is right there mm-hmm. is a pr- and also something a lot of people don't like understand with Russia is pretty much all of the population of Russia is like within 200 miles or whatever of like that border like it's, yeah 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 of course it, it's it's basically but, just no one lives in the middle of fucking russia no one no. lives in the north no one lives in the the, the east. east 
It's, no, it's uh, basically is, all concentrated there. This is one area where I actually have some experience. I've been to Russia. There is nothing outside that kind of like it's like Canada's population all lives next to the U.S. Russia is basically all next to the sort of it's European uh, sort of side, and so like once you get out there, it's basically just like Siberia. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and it's part of why the Ukrainian-Russian, uh, like, why they've fought as entities since, like, mm-hmm. the fucking, what is it, the the Russo-Ukrainian wars or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because to support a population in Russia, you do need people growing shit out, out west. And that means Ukraine. Um, so, like, there's just natural reasons they've always kind of needed each other on that Mm. front um but you know it it, it's um yeah but in essence it's it's understandable why so many in uh, ukraine want to align with russia because they've had i mean depending on what you qualify as a new government quote unquote they've had five new governments Mm -hmm. you know yeah and uh, people are understandably like at some point, I don't really blame you for just wanting stability, you know? Yeah. Um, especially considering how fucking poor Ukraine is. And it's like a level of poverty people are typically only comfortable seeing mm-hmm. if the people suffering it are brown. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, it, it, they have like half the GDP per capita of Cuba. Yeah. You know? No. This is essentially white Venezuela. Yes. And, you know, and it's also GDP completely unchanged since they left the Soviets. And every other ex-Soviet power um, has gone up and gone Mm. up significantly. Mm -hmm. And they are like the one stuck because they're the most strategic in the middle. And they've basically been the side of a proxy war since, you know, since they they split and became independent. So, um, yeah. Yeah, just to, just to put a hammer on that, just like, yes, I, I think one of the keys to understanding Ukraine is that this has always been a Cold War zone. There, there has never been stability, and like since its existence, it has existed as in, in a state of proxy war between NATO and the U.S., Western interests, and Russia, uh, in part just by geographic determinism. Like, like this is just what this region was going to be, and in part, of course, because we've got a bunch of imperial powers jockeying for position and not caring you know how many people die in the process yeah um it's also worth uh pointing out that like i when i say like when i talk about understanding why there's a natural inclination to uh to join um uh to join russia strategically in the region it's not like a moral thing it's a belarus was basically the first country to be like we're your bitch russia we're your bitch Mm -hmm. and they've also had like the highest raise in gdp per capita and like living standards over that time Mm -hmm. uh because russia kind of i mean they've also lost a ton of their sovereignty but russia um basically they kind of got to be russia's turkey you know yeah um and that's a better position to be in than like, you know, uh, a love triangle between two psychotic rage filled cop boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is quite the metaphor. <laughs> oh, no, that is so accurate and so dark. I'm so upset. Google 40 percent police for more. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's that's the part. So understand, I I don't fucking like Russia. I don't like Putin. Sure. Um, uh, Putin is gross, and he's grosser than the U.S. in certain ways for sure. Um, he's more willing to kill the press. We're fine killing the press, but he's more willing to kill the press. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he's more willing to just shoot protesters. Um, again, right. you know, we do it too, but you know, less. Uh, <laughs> and scope has to matter to the people yeah, who don't get shot. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I, uh, it is important to say, yeah, we're we're both we're, we are cut from very similar cloth. Uh, but yeah, there are definitely like, that is not a defense of, of anything that happens in Russia. Uh, we are working real hard to catch up with being as bad at them on LGBT issues, but I, I don't think we're quite there yet. We'll get there. Don't worry. Yeah. 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 We're, 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 we're gunning for the, the throne. Michael, it's this like is, the spa- this is it's, our it's truest like... Olympics. Gold it's medal like spa- in transphobia. It's like the space race. We're going to catch the Russians. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> all right so um, is it is it time to sort of get to this more modern incarnation of this long-standing conflict well so let me get a little like euro maiden transition because yeah. cool. that's yes. where it gets real interesting so the first government that gets popped in uh post euro maiden is basically like uh, a series of like right-wing hell like governments mm-hmm. um you'll often see people be like well uh there's no nazis in ukraine because uh the left-wing parties actually have taken control of uh most of parliament they're at they've blown out of the water uh a lot of right-wing parties which is absolutely true Mm -hmm. uh but that basically started with Zelensky, and there were several before him and most of them were insane right-wing guys uh, one of the a former Azov guy actually who got appointed to the head of the FBI, um, or sorry, not the FBI, but their version of yeah. the FBI. I would have believed like, it though. Yeah, I'll yeah, say yeah. <laughs> Given our history with importing Nazis from and in, in, into our government, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> it's like it's like the national policia, yada yada. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, straight up said like uh, Ukraine's independence is conditional upon removing the Jews and Romas, and he oh, said gosh. it in office. Um, and that's another thing too, with Azov, like people, the discussion used to be, are they neo-Nazis or are they Nazis? Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Because the neo part almost puts like more of a spin on it than really existed. It is straight up like, no, the Hitler was right. We need to get rid of the Jews and the Romas. He knew what to do. Like Mm -hmm. it, there's not really a new aspect to it. It's pretty much kind of the same the same old one. The only difference is it's like an international cooperation of Nazis. That's the really only new spin because it's a lot of Swedish Nazis and German Nazis, American Nazis, whatever. They all they all go over there and, and do their thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it it and has been that way long before this most recent conflict. That like this right. has been a, a rallying point for a global Nazi movement for a long time. Exactly. And um, so Zelensky gets an office. Uh, which ironically, like half the people on Twitter who are now like posting all these gushing Zelensky memes, if they were talking about Ukraine at all, at the time they were like, "How dumb is this world that like we got a reality show president and they got like a, a comedian president?" Mm. Right? Like, that was a lot of their takes at the time. Uh, 
Which I wouldn't even disagree with. I'd be just kind of like, yeah, people like stupid shit. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Should we talk about the TV show? Like, (laughs) yeah, I know very little about the TV show, honestly. So if you know anything about the TV show, I don't know a ton. I just know that he, after having been a comedian and you can find some amazing Zelensky jokes about, you know, how many Nazis there are in Ukraine. uh, But (laughs) He started a TV show <laughs> where he that. played an anti-corruption president. Uh, it was very popular uh, because, as we are all aware now, Ukraine has a lot of struggles with corruption. And yes. then he turned the literal fictional uh, like platform and party that he was representing on the show into an actual party, ran and won. Man, Baudrillard um, is like, who boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, it's a, it's a whole ass thing, and then of course, you know, as I'm sure we'll get to, he has a lot of corruption in in his life as well, and uh, in the lead up to this, was very unpopular in Ukraine in part because of his appearance in the Pandora Papers and the fact that he is not, in fact, the anti-corruption guy he claimed to be. Feel free to uh, Google uh, Foucault's Pendulum. Yes, Alberto uh, exactly. Eco, if you want more information. <laughs> um. I cannot say Foucault's name for the life of me. I have to like close my eyes and say it. It's yeah. I was wondering why worst. it sounded like a slur when you said it. <laughs> yeah, I I actually love the book. It's an amazing yeah. book. So, um, no, but he. Uh, so I was I was aware of, of most of those broad strokes. Um, it is like uh, the Panama Papers also removed a prior Ukrainian prime minister from office, which is mm-hmm. pretty funny. Um. Like, they've had multiple uh, administrations just wrecked by uh, just releases and shit. Um, and uh, if, if you really want to know, like, w- what the biggest changes with Panama, af- post-Panama Papers, it, like, Ukraine is definitely pretty close to the top of the list in, in terms of things that actually did change. Mm. Huh. It, it made people a lot more cynical about the right wing in the country. But one thing... Uh, so Zelensky gets in office and whatever you think about him, he's definitely, uh, in the, I wish the Europeans would support us and defend us. Yeah. Uh, camp. He's, uh, uh pretty explicitly anti-Russian, uh, alludes to joining NATO, which is definitely part of why this whole situation exists is both mm-hmm. the U S kind of pushing him as well as in, internal reasons for him to want it as well. Um, and the, uh, um, with Zelensky's administration, one of the bigger problems became police, including national police and local police were not responding to him and they really weren't taking orders from him. And it's like from, I think, was it 2019 to now, basically you can look it up. There were a ton of like times where there were just massive Roma pogroms. Mm-hmm. and the police just kind of said, ah, oh, we couldn't do anything about it. And they were like, there were 5,000 Roma that got like moved out of the country. What do you mean you couldn't do anything about it? That's not, that's not a fly by night operation. And the answer is, you know, the law enforcement and military for a lot of it are just Nazis. And they're just kind of like, you know, proceed. They don't really have a, they, yeah, I... they don't have any reason to acknowledge, uh, uh, to acknowledge any authority, um, they're not being forced to. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's always worth pointing out that um, 
if you if you start talking about well they didn't have an electoral majority well you know neither did the fucking nazis right. like the right. nazi nazis did not have an electoral majority of course not they sure did know how to use power though militarily and through the police to slowly carve more and more of what they needed in order to seize power and now in the context of this war uh they have everything they need yeah um People get more fascist in wartime and there's just like no getting around it. You get a lot of people who, you know, did not care about politics now, uh, understandably angry and wanting to do something about it. So any kind of cult of ethnic cleansing for cleansing sake, you know, gives you something to do. And uh, it ideologically war is very good for fascists. Right. Yes. Um, that's one of been the great of historical big... truths, and I don't mean great as good. I mean great as, like, proven time and time again. Right. And um, one of my concerns, and I've already seen uh, early reports of it, nothing confirmed, but just people on the ground basically saying, yeah, it's really weird. The Russians uh, shelled, uh, you know, this, this uh, uh, you know, don't ask or whatever. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, the Jewish uh, neighborhood seems to have like most of the casualties mm-hmm. from this one shelling. And it really like does raise an eyebrow of like, are they using the cover of war to like just ethnically cleanse? Um, and they've been doing stuff like grabbing people trying to flee like refugees making them conscripts at the barrel of a gun to like get rid of ethnic minorities. Like that's been something that's been happening and it's being reported in foreign press. And by foreign press, I'm not talking like, you know, RT dot RU or whatever. I'm talking about like, like the UK press and Mm -hmm. Al Jazeera and uh, Le Monde. Um, It's not something that's been, uh, the U.S. basically has kind of a media blackout on that. Yeah. But it that those kind of – that forced conscription shit is, like, being talked about um, elsewhere. It's honestly pretty fucking amazing right now that the U.S., like, feed of what's happening is all, like, Russian tanks are breaking down and they're losing uh, – they're losing uh, uh, people at, like, a breakneck rate. And they're basically – they're done any day now. They're, they're going to have to leave a, a fucking U.S. military analyst who, like, actually has uh, clout uh, four or five days ago said that the war's over in 10 days. <laughs> Incredible. Like, Incredible. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, maybe it ends in a few days. I don't fucking know. Uh, but there's no – I think people are wrongly believing that Russia is going in full force and using their full tool set. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reality is if they just wanted to Dresdenify Kiev, they could Right, like that's, course. you know, it's, it's the same way that the U S could have done that to Iraq at first. And they, I mean, they, they, they weren't exactly not trying to kill civilians, but they weren't trying to up the death count as much as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, they had that option in the back pocket and, uh, they waited, uh, because ultimately they want to rule over the territory and don't want, everything to just be a pancake and, you know, fucking sore water going everywhere and everyone's got dysentery and, you know, they want something to rule over. Yeah. They wanted to keep oil extraction in, in place. So exactly. 
and they wanted those the roads for moving mm-hmm. oil extraction and they wanted the places pipeline would go to have houses so people could live and maintain there like there's you know these things are strategic even if putin's acting like a fucking crazy ass motherfucker yeah um, yeah i i think and and this may be a hot take i i think we should have the disclaimer that like we are currently under the fog of war and and what what truly happened in most situations i'm not denying that horrible things are happening every day but like we will need to wait for the ashes to settle before we truly understand what happened here and i say that just as a precursor to saying like you know i have similarly seen unconfirmed but multiple reports about left-wing activists uh and communists being rounded up like i i think we will find that there is an ethnic and political cleansing happening in ukraine how big that is uh and how organized and how much that is a part of this this conflict uh i think remains to be seen but yeah the force conscription is definitely happening uh, i saw you know and we can take a moment at some point maybe to talk about volunteers for ukraine and what a massive clusterfuck that is but just guys talking about having to smuggle themselves out of the country that they never should have fucking been in to begin with uh, because forced conscription is happening and these guys getting in there being like, yeah, we don't have any resources. We're getting murdered on the reg. Uh, we try to get out and, and they're cutting up passports and sending people back to the front. And yeah, you should never have been there to begin with. I have no empathy for you, idiot from, from America. But nevertheless, for the civilians of Ukraine, that is the reality that is happening every day. In, in it my is, I got to say, on like that thing of like the americans like being really sad that they're not put in charge of like the drone army that doesn't it's... exist when they go yeah. over there um there's a certain because when that fucking what would your job be in the uh, newly made communist america thread mm-hmm. went around and everyone's answer was like i'm gonna be a pottery wrangler uh, <laughs> or like well, I'm a good chef, so I will work nine hours a week uh, cooking food if my anxiety isn't flared up. <laughs> and it was just so embarrassing across mm. the board. Yep. And I was like, man, I'm so mad because I can't think of a good like right-wing example of someone just being that delusional on like running a society. And now we have one. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Now it's here. Yeah. Now, we, <laughs> now we have something that it's like, oh, yeah, this is what those fucking – this is what a dumb delusional person would think. And, uh, and I do have empathy for how much propaganda is shoved into these people's heads. Uh, but doc, don't, don't, don't go try to fight in a war. It's (laughs) it's not going to go well for you. (laughs) You, if you really want to support, um, uh, if you really want to support good, uh, ideologically clean, uh, freedom fighters in Ukraine, uh, just make out the, uh, check, to hamas and you'll be fine they'll get the money there eventually okay hell yeah um and there's also there's so much stuff in terms of proportionality in this uh that i think go undiscussed the 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 donbas uh civil war has Mm -hmm. killed way more people at this point than have died in the russian invasion um, and that was just a proxy war. That was that was you know, essentially letting the water boil uh, slowly, um, and that kind of proportionality. That's why the fact that like people know this war but don't know the Donbas civil war um, is such a big deal to me because it's like in scope right now. 
there, this is still like a limited engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more that it's violating a whole lot of international norms um, currently. And, uh, you know, it, fucking i feel bad ukraine's just been under shit for uh for so long and they've had such zero i i i can empathize with anyone in ukraine who just wants shit to be normal Mm -hmm. and um i think that's a very human response to everything that's been happening um but yeah i will say yeah oh sorry i think I think that's such a great point that the the freak out that is happening now uh, is truly about international norms, uh, not dead civilians. Because if you gave a shit about dead civilians, you had a responsibility to give a shit about all of the dead civilians that happened prior to this conflict. And I understand that, like, that's not making the news. It wasn't in front of your eyeballs. But, like, it it is really important to recognize, like, how this is a continuation of something that has been happening for a long time and an escalation, but like the blood was always being spilled and, and that's not a justification for anything that's happening now, but it's an important reality in understanding what's happening now. Right. It's is, this is uh, like the invasion was a shock to a lot of uh, people uh, in Ukraine, uh, although also not a shock to a lot of them as well. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a massive disruption relative to uh, uh, it wasn't a massive like they didn't come it wasn't like their 9/11 in the sense that like just complete nothingness and stillness and then this thing happened they've basically been brewing and in you know having lots of their own people die for a while now Um they haven't had any real stability to build off of, which is yeah. why their economy's just been in the shitter. Um, shockingly, no one wants to fucking invest in a country that like basically has to make a choice between two powers, but both powers are fighting tooth and nail to make sure they don't make that choice. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's, that's a great point. Um, so let's, let's take some time. If in, unless there is more of the like sort of historical and current narrative to just talk about some of the players now, like this is talk about Zelensky, talk about Biden, uh, talk about Putin. Like let's talk about the state of play. Uh, I think the Zelensky simping has, has probably gotten me the most, (laughs) just the, just the outright. It's very 2020 in terms of like Biden and superhero outfits where it's just massively misunderstanding who this dude is and and what's really happening here and personally like there are there are so many people who are responsible uh for the the horrors that are happening now uh but the guy calling for world war three in front of congress to standing ovations is up there on my list more so than i would normally place the head of state of a region so severely impacted by imperial control uh for so long like, it is really scary and awful to me uh, to see him hailed as, like, some sort of hero when he is the one calling for the end of all things. I mean, yeah, I – for me, the Zelensky stuff is um, – it. here's the thing. People say – keep saying Zelensky's calling for a no-fly zone, um, and it's very hard to convey to them kind of – of course he's calling for a no-fly zone. For him, his country is getting attacked, and, like, 
whether his country is still getting attacked or not is really not an option on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the rest of the world, it is. Yeah, it is an option on the table, and uh, they can't really see that he's he's not motivated because he's trying to save the world. He's motivated because he's trying to save one his government followed by his country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and people unable to suss out that it might be kind of a selfish thing he's doing mm-hmm. um, and an understandably selfish thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that part kind of gets to me. Drives it's me not insane. hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not hard to understand why the dude who has been living in a war zone, like wants, wants a backup to mm-hmm. preserve his regime. And it's not just personally his country, because it, if your only concern was, you know, uh, death in your country, you could just you could just surrender. You yeah. know, I mean, that's been I've said that publicly and, uh, you know, not always gotten a positive response to it. Well, it's it's hard because people do the whole like, well, what if we would have uh, uh, what if what if people were uh, surrendering to Hitler and the United States didn't get involved? And the answer is, well, we're very lucky Hitler didn't have nuclear weapons. Yeah. 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 Like, that's really what it comes down to is the end of the world is always going to be, like, kind of a showstopper. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you can't really you, you can't really compare any – I mean, you kind of have to become an incrementalist at that point. Yeah. And be like, whatever kills the – Whatever doesn't end the world is preferable. Not on climate change, apparently. But on nuclear weapons. We have a couple other apocalypses looming, so But those are slow. As long as it's slow enough and there's iPads involved, you can (laughs) you can do a a, you know, you can do all the the world ending you want. But the whole like boiling in the water, but we can't we can't let the uh, let the like we can't take a gun out. That would be too much. Yes. Um which, you know, lovely. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the, like, massive alignment happening away from the U.S. specifically. Uh, but it's fucking absolutely wild. Um, China, yeah, let's talk India. About that. Yeah. <clears throat> so China, India, and obviously Russia um, uh, have basically been allying together through mm-hmm. this thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, not just, like allying um not just allying as a uh a temporary measure but it they're establishing long-standing things uh modi uh announced yesterday that he's going to be buying oil with the rupee yep yeah yeah um, and that's a big, big deal yeah india is going to be uh the largest country in the world by population in like three or four years mm-hmm. yeah um and uh it definitely hits the petrodollar really, really hard. Um, China has been less uh, anti-U.S. than I would have guessed. Um, mm-hmm. Despite, they despite still... the fact that we have entire propaganda wings <coughs> of our government going for them constantly. Which I don't even think they care about. I think it's yeah. more of a, we buy their shit and they're fine with it. Yeah. yeah. It's um, good business. Yeah, it's, it's just good business. But they um, they they're still aligning with Russia and talking about like we're not going to acknowledge sanctions and we'll we'll pay for Russian oil however we want to pay for Russian oil. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Brazil 
was even talking about some of that shit and it uh it was low lower level people it was like the ministry of of economics i think a guy mm-hmm. came out and basically said if brazil has to buy oil with rupees then we'll buy oil with rupees and that could have just been fishing for the u.s like to you know bribe them mm-hmm. somehow right uh but it could also be gen- it's probably both to be honest it's probably both genuine and fishing it's yep. you know let's make a deal johnny deals time <laughs> um but uh it's definitely displaying american weakness yeah uh which again is why the whole narrative that russia is like teetering on the edge of total military collapse and internal collapse is just i you know it's not great um, I have a bud uh, who's a, a asset manager, uh, so he's super evil. Yeah, and, um, yeah. <laughs> and he he basically has buds who like are asset managers in Russia, and what they're saying is that like the oligarchs that are portrayed as being mad in the media like over this war and are like calling for it to stop, they're also kind of happy because all of the small businesses that were created in the last 20 years in Russia, they're just buying for pennies on the dollar. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and I think we need to say very clearly that is the direct result of us sanctions. Like we cripple correct. smaller producers and, and businesses there and oligarchs are like, cool, great. This is, we've been waiting for a moment like this, the same way we did it in the U S during COVID. Like, why can you not afford a home now? Well, it's because like when shit was really scary, like companies started buying up all the homes. Like, it's because BlackRock and State Street own them all now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, BlackRock legit. I So I, I have a new home I got in 2020. Uh, Black, wow. Way uh, to brag, Graham. You. That's right. Money moves, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah. Come and live in Texas. Uh, they may like openly talk about oppressing you, but you can't afford a home. Uh, <laughs> Man, it's really, it, it is a tough coin flip. I love California, but... And I like my electricity, but I do want a home, so it's complicated. I got solar, baby. Oh, you're oh, you're 100% winning. Solar, you're winning. That's right. Fuck. What are Gr- you doing for the environment, bitch? Grim, uh. Grim is one bunker away from a compound. I love it. <laughs> Fuck. No. We're all we're all gonna move. All right. Anyway, so you bought a home. <laughs> so I got home in 2020. I was a brand new uh, neighborhood constructed, um, and it was they started it pre-COVID, right? So mm-hmm. the uh, it ended like the last home, which mine was like second to last, was bought um, November of 2020, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But it was done in you know in uh, June or whatever. So they they had been working on a while, but anyway, the neighborhood next to me is like uh, 300 single family homes, mm-hmm. um, and it's a denser community. That's kind of a new urbanism kind of take um, with uh, with it's directly next to some. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Some like storefronts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like surprisingly affordable. Uh, BlackRock bought the entire neighborhood. Disgusting. Incredible. So and I don't mean disgusting. like they like went through. I mean like the while it was under construction, they basically went to the developer and said, here's a check for the entire neighborhood. And, you know, here's a couple of demands we have on changes and shit. Um, incredible stuff. Yeah, just 300 homes out of nowhere. It, so now there's like a, you know, now there's an entire neighborhood of black. And that's just one. There's other yeah. ones, too, that I'm sure they've done in the city. But Oh, of course. Um, the Russian oligarchs are loving this shit, or at least they were loving it on the front end. They probably want the war over now because anyone who's wanted to buy anything could. 
Um, but uh, so I, I have no doubt that in the coming weeks they're going to be more putting more and more pressure to resolve this in a way that maintains their assets. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be wild on that front. Um, I don't know how the like the U.S. is under the belief that like you know kind of a might makes right thing and that Russia is losing because they're not. Uh, uh, that they're not moral enough and they yeah. don't have enough popular support. And I don't really see any reason that's true. Um, yeah, the the idea that because Russian people are protesting this war, as they should, but like that that is going to matter to this conflict is is very d- misunderstands the nature of power. Like, right. Um, well, and there was a there was a, a quote I saw and it was some fucking blue check uh, who would like cross the street and grab her purse. If a black man was like walking next to her mm-hmm. and she did this whole, um, you know, more of the Russian people need to protest. Uh, you know, Putin can't arrest them all. And I really wish I could like get someone who spoke Russia to kind of phrase it exactly like that and ask like to a Russian what that means. Mm -hmm. Because I would put money down that if they felt they weren't going to be under any kind of reprieval, they'd be like, oh, so that means he just kills them because he can't arrest them all. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. right. Like, I don't think that I don't think their mind would go to thus he has to capitulate. Yeah. I think they would go to, oh, he's just going to have a bunch of people big, you know, dig a big pit and throw us all in there. Yeah, I mean, like, look at America. We had the largest protests in our nation's history. And what did we get for it? We got beatings, arrests, murder, uh, tacit approval of right wing killings and more funding for the police. Like, that's a protest movement in the U.S. And that's where it ended up. And, like, exactly. we did pro- – there were massive protests in the United States and the U.K. leading up to the Iraq War. Especially I was in, in them. The, that's right. That's right. And especially in the U.K. Huge. It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't fucking matter. And when you live – Grim, I think you really hit the nail on the head, and it's something I talk about a lot. When war has become so technologically advanced, it really isn't as simple as numbers. Nuclear weapons, like MiGs, like Kalashnikovs, like, they can kill enough people to where it's fine. Yeah, they have air superiority. And if you have air superiority and you have enough bombs, which yeah. Russia absolutely has enough bombs, uh-huh. you can't just level everything. That is an option on the table. Yeah, mm-hmm. every single day. And that's why, like, I always, like, I don't know what comes next beyond, like, in the United States, for example, you know, as sort of capitalism degrades, et cetera, without getting all the way into that, because I think. People have not do not understand, like you said, what air superiority, nuclear weapons, and machine guns actually means. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Go ahead, Greg. I don't even know how to deal with that, to be honest. Yeah. Like it's kind of a it really does require um I'll put it this way. The information warfare on the uh slash the infowars on uh the American side has been so intense. Did I think that people who have completely ignored the issue and ignored reading about it probably have a better handle than people who like weren't reading anything about Ukraine up until the Russian invasion? Yeah. Because if you just started with the Russian invasion, your impression is going to be, well, Russia is actually extremely weak and they're falling any day now if you're just if you're soaked in America media. Mm-hmm. And um, I think if you're not in there, you just be like, 
Well, Russia's like a big country, and they got nuclear weapons. So I guess if they've invaded someone, they're they're probably like in a position of power, right? Like they're probably they're probably like gonna win in some regard. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're gonna get something out of the equation. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 the the effectiveness of propaganda in this, I think, has been extremely instructive. Not because it's new, but because it's maybe the first time my eyes have been fully opened. And you can just see it happening in real time. And in my personal opinion is that, yeah, this invasion was a little half cocked that, but like that doesn't change the fact that they have vastly superior firepower and they, they've been rolling through like the fact that like this clearly to me was a little bit of a bluff called and is like, okay, I said I was going to do this. If you do what I told you not to do and I don't invade, then I have lost the ability for those threats to be meaningful. Mm-hmm. Like that, so I, I guess we're doing this uh, doesn't change the simple fact that they have so many more guns, bodies, bombs. Yeah. And um, yeah, I want to make it clear, by the way, that Russia is having massive technical issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They started a war where it really does look like only 40 people actually knew they were going to war. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And that, yeah, it really does look like it was Putin and like strategic leaders in the military mm-hmm. and basically 99% of his forces did not know they were going to a war and you know people uh that means people weren't prepared mm-hmm. um they weren't uh uh they not just like physically prepared but like mentally prepared too yeah um there's uh people were you know texting their moms and dads being like yeah i'll be back in a week um when they did the when it was just a training exercise um and and russia has done these training exercises every single year for like uh six seven years since maiden Mm -hmm. um so you know it's it's been a projection of power it became kind of an annual event uh but this time they threw a whole bunch of people there and it really does look like a lot of this damage is basically they didn't want to look too prepared in order to not get infiltrated and disabled on the front end mm-hmm. that Putin was kind of paranoid. Um, justifiably or not, I don't fucking know, but um, it does look like it's Putin was basically like, I'm fine with a bunch of my people dying. If uh, it means we preserve the info and we don't like let people know we're actually doing it. Which is why his own parliament was making fun of Americans for saying the war was going to start. Right. Mm. They, they were literally like, you morons, we wouldn't do something that, like, psychotic. <laughs> Wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that, is, that is a fascinating little tidbit to sort of put some pieces together around. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about Endgame in terms of what, what people want to happen. And by people, I mean, like, the players in this who all want evil things. Uh, <laughs> Grim, tell, tell me how wrong I am. My personal take is that we are not going to see any sort of American or NATO boots on the ground. Uh, we are going to see them continue to try this, turn this into the next forever war uh, and create a new Mujahideen in Ukraine. Uh, it's what they've been gunning for the entire time in terms of arming and prepping uh, the Ukrainian people. But I, I think in my head, this is about 
let's find let's make this conflict forever uh let's keep making our our arms manufacturers rich sending guns and money let's keep sending billions of dollars over let's keep arming nazis uh let and this if we extend it long enough we'll weaken russia and give us an excuse to do a lot of other things like the sanctions we've already done uh we, let's make and in the meantime a ton of ukrainian people die and we don't give a shit about that yeah that's pretty much my take yeah. um <laughs> All the institutional forces on the NATO side of the equation are basically to just hand them as many guns and uh, as many uh, as many tools for resistance mm -hmm. and kind of egg them on because it's yeah. not like we care about Ukrainians. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Putin's already demonstrated he's willing to be unreasonable even for this, you know, on top of the stated unreasonableness of being a nuclear power and what that comes with, he's added an additional layer. So for us, it's kind of a, a win-win in terms of, uh, in terms of pushing Ukraine into just having a forever war that we get to maintain and, and push for. Yeah. Oh, fun fact, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this, but it's, it's like one of those fun little tidbits. Uh, so are you guys familiar with the Haredim? No. Mm. It's this like ultra right wing orthodox class of um, non workers basically in Israel. No. Uh, they straight up just get paid by the state to like read the Torah every fucking day, and they don't work. And it's not small. It's like seven or eight percent of the entire country. Good lord, damn. Um, and they are extremely important though, because on average, each one makes seven children. Ah. Uh, so if your goal is to maintain a Jewish demographic in Israel, they're, they're pretty much the most important demographic. Mm -hmm. So the state pays them to not like work. Uh, and they are just pumping out kids. And uh, that's kind of the symbiotic relationship. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and as you can imagine, they are as horrifyingly right wing as you would think of someone who like literally says, I cannot work because it's, you know, it's uh too much about the modern workplace offends my religious sensibilities. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, it's kind of a weird inversion. Uh, they wanted to, they started with some human rights groups, a, uh, political battle in Israel to stop Israel from selling weapons to Azov. Huh. And, you know, uh, uh, Israel has armed Nazis so many times. It's oh, not sure. even funny. Yeah. Um, but this time there was actually reaction. Hmm. And this was, you know, four or five years ago. Um, and notably it was of an, an extremely important contingent uh, that they actually needed politically to maintain uh, right-wing power in the country. That is fascinating. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, they kept selling them though. Don't worry. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, that, that I was, was not, not worried. Debate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, they also, I'm like 99% certain they were also selling weapons to Russia in that same time. Oh, too. sure. Of course uh, they were. Yeah, selling weapons is good business. Well, there's a uh, that large, is very Russian, funny that there's there a is large a, Russian population in Israel. A, right. Uh, a political class of trad wives. Here in America, we want to demand trad wives and also say everyone needs to work till they drop dead on the, on the shop floor. So it's, it's That's why we're more progressive. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> 
<laughs> the uh, I don't know. It's so it's one of those things. It's just like a little history tidbit. But KFC originally marketed itself as the feminist chicken comp uh, company because a <laughs> wife could like live without cooking dinner for her family, so she could work. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah at kfc trying their woke marketing being like yeah women can work if they can buy kfc chicken oh that is very upsetting <laughs> not really thinking about the presumption that it's the woman's responsibility mm-hmm. to uh mm-hmm. bring yep. dinner home when there's presumably a uh, grown-ass man also in that home that's uh, so yeah. funny Oh God! I uh, so yeah. I I if I was Zelensky, I would be scared because I think his usefulness is is quickly being outlived to Western powers. I think right. that on a long enough time frame, what they want is for the European puppet to be out of the way so that they can just be like, it can just turn into a full on like, oh, there's just a whole bunch of different factions. Most of them are Nazis, and but they're fighting Russia, so it's cool. But there's there's no there's no one calling them to account to actually do more. Um, right. And I again, I don't think there's anything good about Zelensky calling for World War Three. But I, I think no. that they got a lot of use out of a very pro-European uh, head of state for a long time to sort of develop those connections, accept that military aid, like to sort of build this thing up. Uh, but they, the cavalry is not coming beyond the billions of dollars and, and, and missiles that we're sending. Uh, and I think that somebody who is going to keep demanding uh, a more out and out conflict is, is going to find themselves uh, one disappointed and two politically unuseful in a way that is very distinct from his role leading up to this. I, I have a little bit of sympathy for him insofar as he has to stay in the country physically yeah. to maintain political power. Mm-hmm. But if he stayed in the country and did a surrender, one of his own men would probably shoot him in the back of the head. Yeah. Yeah. Like he doesn't really surrendering, even though it's the option of like that, that, you know, with the least amount of death involved mm. is probably not on the table for him personally. Um, yeah. I, that's always been my take is he should surrender um, with promises to never join NATO and or neutrality, blah, blah, blah. But like you said, when he's surrounded by, you know, men with guns who don't want that. Yeah, and, and his yeah. road to power involved making peace with a lot of these, uh, you know, Nazi sectors that are, you know, present in Ukraine. And that, that pe- they didn't like him when he got there. Like, he, it is a very tentative sort of like, okay, our interests are aligned. I'm going to let you keep killing people and we're going to, you're going to let me continue taking EU money. Uh, but that can fall apart very quickly. Right. And it's, there's also kind of, another layer with him um it, it's a very i don't know how to say it. it's a it's a very um national one mm-hmm. in that people kind of expect that he's going to follow this path already so their actions are already predicated upon it mm-hmm. um and i really don't know how he gets out of it um if it was me, I would probably like bail the country and then say, "Oh yeah, we're surrendering." Yeah, uh, <laughs> and just do it from there. Yeah, and, and to be um, to be I clear, that would move. that would be uh, a very good thing for Ukrainian life, yeah. right? Um, 
And, but the the follow up to that would you know nine out of ten times just be uh, he's no longer president. Mm-hmm. I'm now acting president, and I say we're not surrendering. Yeah, yeah, that right. is oh. that is a very good point and an important uh, counter to yeah where my head's been at that like yeah we there there is a neutrality deal on the table and whether or not you trust Russia is an important question. But I think they've been very clear in their stated aims in the lead up to this. Uh, and, but yeah, I think the the reality is that whether or not Zelensky wants to keep the fight going, the fight is going to keep going because so many other right. um, factors will it to be. And there's there's also um, uh, something I want to cover uh, that is uh, uh, two things. One is a really good own for any like lib you know that you really don't want to get into it with. Um, just if they you know them in real life and you have like a good faith basis relationship with them. Um, ask them why the U.S. won't give Ukraine the ability to uh, end sanctions as part of its peace negotiations mm. with Russia. Mm. Um, I think it's a very important fact. And for a lot of people who mean well and just don't know better, it's a pretty startling thing to be like, yeah, we're not the U.S. is not going to allow Zelensky to demand uh, sanctions get off the table if Russia surrenders right now mm-hmm. and just leaves the country. Yep. Um, that is an impossibility. So, like, whose interests, again, are we really looking out for? It's definitely not the Ukrainian people's if we're not giving them the strongest tool we could give them to negotiate with Putin. Even a no-fly zone isn't, like, a strong tool relative to ending those sanctions. No, of course not. Um, Another thing is, uh, I've seen a criticism leveraged... um, with uh, this conflict because there's so much social media coming out of it um, that uh, on the left side of the internet, people understandably say you're only seeing people wearing Azov signatures or uh, Nazi uh, logos or whatever um, because you're in this part of the internet and the people you know are going to be looking for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so how many of you all are actually like, looking for this kind of thing in non how many of you are actually going outside of this domain to look Mm -hmm. like what's the real percentage because again there's there's pictures of american troops with uh ss bolts and you know swastikas and shit um and uh my response would be i look at this stuff all the time and nine out of ten times that kind of criticism is correct um, this is not one of them mm-hmm. as someone who looks at like all of the original sourcing for things getting validated outside of, mm-hmm. uh, uh, or sorry, inside of uh, Ukraine. Uh, it is straight up like one in six pictures to the point that people have stopped taking pictures, um, that are full resolution. And it's now like becoming standard to take like big group shots that are like, you know, 640 by 480. Hmm. <laughs> because well, then you can't read insignias and shit um, and people are doing lots of zoo and it's st- i'm telling you it started like a week and a half into the conflict it went from everyone just having se- normal cell phone pictures to all of a sudden the social media stuff on the uh pro nato pro azov um side of the equation all just started being like real zoomed out and hard to see and that's not a coincidence. No. It's because there really are a lot of fascists, both natively and coming into the country. Um, and they are embedded. 
especially in leadership positions. Um, the guy who runs uh, the the current, uh, he's like the basically the top immigrant, quote unquote, for um, the uh, independent uh, state militia, the the big one where all the guys on Reddit are going to. The guy who now runs that is uh, a straight up a, a Swedish ex-Nazi who was like, uh, or I say ex-Nazi, Swedish Nazi who joined Azov in 2014. Yeah. Um, that's the guy. He's like a Anders Breivik did nothing wrong kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. Like full on, um, full on Nazi. I was reading a little bit about him. Yeah. And you can fucking look at a Vice interview with him from 2016 or whatever. Incredible. Um, where he's like, we're not Nazis. We simply want to purge the undesirables. Sure. Uh, yeah. Because of their inferior genetic structure. Sure. Obviously. That's all. Yeah. So. So, yeah. 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 It's always cheery. Yep. 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 <laughs> okay. So I, I, I think we both, I think we're, we've been fairly clear about what we think should happen. Um, sue for peace, neutrality, blah, blah, blah. But what do we think? Maybe it's the question for both you, maybe it's a question for Graham, whoever, whichever you wants to do with it. Um, what do you think is going to happen? And I understand predicting is always risky, but I'm just, I, I am curious. I mean, for me, I think the fluctuations in the petrodollar are going to be largely what determines uh, what NATO does and Mm -hmm. um, how well Russia weathers this new economy where it's that, you know, Indian Chinese trifecta is going to dictate their end. And so it's basically just a matrix of who's got to blink first. Mm -hmm. Um, In theory, there's always the possibility Zelensky is like, we surrender. We are now new Russia. Yada, yada. Um, and just like unconditionally surrenders. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really see that. Uh, you know, he is a politician and uh, he doesn't like the Russians. He's um, uh, and he didn't like them prior either. Yeah. Um, he, he comes from the metropolitan like side of the equation in Ukraine not the uh, the eastern side. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, there's there's just something. I I really do think it's just going to be Russia gets tired of it and says we're going to just uh, retreat everyone into Donbas and Donbas is now new Russian territory, mm-hmm. um, which they've actually been saying for yeah. like yeah. You know, six years. Yeah, but they'll, they'll actually maintain it that way and uh, um, and fully cut it off. Um. That's kind of my my go to and my presumption is that's that's the most likely ending because it's it's good for Russia mm-hmm. um, and uh, there's not really much that NATO and the U.S. can do about it if they decide to set their line there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of my guess. I think uh, hitting on the uh, sort of global realignment away from like western capital is is really important to understand i think the u.s specifically went in with this very like cold war anti-russia mentality and they knew that like china was a part of that and there's been a lot of you know escalating that that corner as well but i i think they got outflanked a little bit by they they wanted this to be an escalation where they could point at china and point at india and be like look at you you're not doing sanctions buddy but actually we are increasingly living in a world where 
Western imperial control is is wavering. Um, and we are starting to be at a point where that global power alignment is about to start getting real. Uh, and, and so I am curious to see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, that that shift away from the petrodollar and the willingness of China and India, because I saw that news yesterday too, and I was like, oh, that is that is much bigger than this conflict. Like, yes, that is that, that is going I would definitely to be agree on that. world redefining, depending on how how the follow through is. Um, it does it, like it feels to me like pax americana this is kind of the death squeal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know like it's it's we can't really just say we own the world anymore we really do have to start acknowledging that the the modern order has been and is now for us as well just that the if you have nukes you only control your domain directly around you yeah and you know anything else is just madness yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think that's actually really well stated. And a, a thesis that very, very, very few people uh, understand at this point. And I, I actually think that's that's important. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's just it, the whole conflict is so wild to me on the propaganda front um, mm-hmm. and the, the information – uh, especially just because even like foreign reporting from NATO allies is so much better than American reporting. Mm-hmm. The tone of everything is like there's lots of people in Ukraine dying and it fucking sucks. Yeah. And the American one is like, you know, uh, fucking Captain America grabbing Thor's hammer as the whole crowd just rises up and starts clapping. And yeah, like just like a weird amount of victory and like support out of completely fake thing yeah we have, we have completely marvelified our brains at this point and it is crazy to me that we can have entire generations that grew up with the forever war and that is not going to enter into their brain one bit as they as they simp for the next one like it not at just all. blows my mind like how do we not understand how propagandized we are at this point and 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 how much everything that is coming from your media is is a lie and spin and that that's on a lot of different sides of this equation Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. but like it is an important thing to acknowledge like yeah dog tanks are breaking down uh they got more tanks like (laughs) that's not really a concern i just yeah it's yeah go ahead grim i was just gonna say it's like people can't think around that though they really are thinking in like world war ii terms Mm -hmm. and like the tanks the tanks kind of exist there as mobile armor for people to like take cover in mm-hmm. and like project power and that you know america's basically admitted that at like for 30 years now that tanks are really just there to let people know where a tank is yep. and mm-hmm. to show that hey if we need to take down a bunch of cars real quick or a bunch of vehicles we can mm-hmm. um and again they can just bomb everything yeah. they really can right. of course it, and it's you know i'm very happy they're not yeah me too. <laughs> like me too i don't want to get to that stage i don't want fucking kiev to become dresden yeah and, no. and and that is in part why this continued simping for for conflict is so dangerous is because yes. guys this doesn't end in a heroic ukrainian resistance this ends in in much more mass slaughter the very thing that you were so upset about is the only next step if you keep pushing this conflict like yeah yeah it's that's that's just what happens then everyone dies yeah 
That's beautifully said. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say is, I've said this before on the pod, one, World War II was the worst thing that ever happened in the United States. Oh my God. A country basically on the bad side of every other single war. And was only on the right side of World War II, I believe, because of uh, our alliance with Britain. You know, I think it was Otto von Bismarck who said the most consequential fact of the, uh, the 20th century is that Americans speak English. And, and I just, I think about that constantly. Um, but second, second, I am so disappointed that, like, we don't even, like, except for, like, a handful of leftists who people call Putinites, there is no anti-war movement in the U.S. There's none. There's There's less. There's less than there was with the buildup of the Iraq War. And that is, like, disappointing on a pretty profound level for me. Yeah. I think it's literally just domestic politics. It's because Biden's in charge. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if this, I if think this was happening under a different administration, I think we would see a very different reaction. But because we have all, uh, you know, or the liberal media class has accepted drunk the Kool-Aid that Biden can only do good even as he does evil at every turn. Uh, we we have sort of bought into this idea that like well it has to be good, a Democrat is doing right. it. I I almost uh, am glad uh, it's Biden as opposed to Trump, if only because uh, if Trump was in office right now with a Democratic Congress and and the uh, Senate, they would straight up do a bill like a, a budget bill demanding to uh, invade and support mm-hmm. Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, and they would force Trump because why wouldn't they, to basically say no, that's fucking dumb, and then they could scream ah, Putin ally. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, that is one hundred percent the play that would have happened. <coughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's dark stuff. There, it's really hard when when the the victims are are like piling up every day, and it's it's heartbreaking to just acknowledge that like. Uh, that blood is on our hands uh, as well. Like, we created this conflict, and I'm not right. saying we as individuals. I'm saying we as the U.S. and NATO. Like, uh, we ha- we are at least as culpable in in the mass death that is happening now. One of my uh, one of my favorite. I, I looked up some articles last night that I had in my bookmarks folder um, to prepare for this. Wait, you prepared um, for this, Grim? Grim? Oh, for like it's half like an the hour, one maybe. rule. <laughs> <laughs> It was like half an hour, um, and uh, but I uh, one of the things I forgot about that is just it's not funny, but it's really funny <laughs> is a lot of like the Azov stuff when they were first being formed because uh, they had an old one they were like Sect eighty two or something mm-hmm. like that or Sect eighty five and that that was like you know they, there's been multiple incarnations of this one group you know um, but anyway when they were being formed like. Their stated impetus was in part because they want to stop the Jewification of uh, Eastern Ukraine because Putin is a Jew. Oh, boy. Yeah. (laughs) Just straight up like Putin is a secret Jew, which is great because honestly, that shows all countries are really like if you have an ultranationalist movement, they're just going to say Barack Obama or mm-hmm. Putin isn't a real uh, is is a different, completely different race or religion. Like that's it's it's kind of endearing that it's worldwide yeah. that kind of sociopathic <laughs> like need to identify someone that you hate as like being a, a trickster like yeah. that. You know, I mean it's it's a joke that's been done before, but Ukrainians, Russians, you guys are the same, and it's very it's it's always darkly funny 
but like you said it's universal they love it they love they love doing love uh pulling out the barack obama as the secret foreign born Muslim card <laughs> we just, we live in the q verse so guys like <laughs> everything is q like yeah that's it, that really is it it's just you know uh they have to eliminate the jewish influence that putin is putting on <laughs> Because Putin's a secret Jew, sure. which is even funnier because Putin has absolutely executed people to keep like his uh, his life private from uh, when he was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, like people have just gone missing investigating his childhood. Um, and uh, that only adds to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, why does he want to hide it so much? And it's like probably because someone called him like, you know, a gay dick or something. <laughs> and he doesn't want like a headline to be like Putin colon gay dick yeah. question mark. Yeah. Putin colon cucked. <laughs> it's probably like just some normal childhood shit and he's a psycho and he can just kill whoever he wants. So why not? I mean, shit. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah. No, I mean, also mythos might have. He can probably ju- he justify. I mean, not that Putin justifies anything, but you know, hey, I'm just I I got to keep the myth alive. You know, um, he's like a Lithuanian or something, but he's like, no, people right. people can't know that I come from those potato eaters or something. Like it doesn't, you know. Anyway, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's got to be like he formed from like just congealed Soviet <laughs> ambition. Yep. Yeah. Like yeah, he's a KGB agent. What do you think his fucking background is? Like, come on. <laughs> but yeah that's that's where we're at so it's it's gonna be lovely uh this thing is not gonna end well it's gonna end shitty people are gonna be surprised on the american side um and there's not really much we can do about that nope our our continued involvement will only make things worse but yeah there is there is no good outcome to this just a lot of suffering which is what happens when imperial powers clash and treat entire countries as a as a plaything. yeah you know i it's like talking about this kind of stuff is always so dark so you really got to like try and find something to emphasize or to to kind of give you a little bit of respite and i think what's most important that we hold dear in our hearts while we're examining all this mm-hmm. is that the wolf among us too is coming out this year <laughs> and that's going to be sweet <laughs> telltale rising from the ashes a true a true hero story one we can all get behind <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I can I can rant about this for forever, but I think oh, we have done a good job of of getting through the history, the current, and just how how bad this is going to end. So yeah, in many ways, a classic shitty Christians episode. Everything yes. is terrible. Nothing will get better. We all just have to live in this reality. That's right. I uh, I will say, if any of this interests you, and uh, you like, you didn't know a whole lot about Ukraine. And um, you think I'm full of shit or whatever, which is fine. Do that. Um, but, yeah, be sure uh, to at Grim. I, let him know. Yeah. 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 Well, let, let me know. Yeah, message uh, him on Twitter. He loves that. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love that. Um, honestly, as long as you're not one of those Nazis who was sending me dicks, I'm good. Um, but, so uh, yeah, that was not a fun time. You can send than dicks. I don't understand. I didn't know how fucking old any of them were. So they're just like spamming my DMs with dicks. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the uh, if you're like interested in kind of one or perspective on some of Ukraine stuff, I would highly suggest um, first reading a bunch of contemporaneous articles, like filter out anything from before yeah. 2021. Yep. Mm-hmm. Go back and in just time. look at stuff. 
yeah, go back in time. Um, and if you do that and you really start to get interested and you're like, oh shit, there's a lot happening here. And, um, there's a billion different ways to go, um, in that direction in research. Uh, but I will say if you're looking for something fun to do contemporaneously with that, uh, go to, um, there's a game called Suzerain S U Z E R A I N like the, you know, King of Kings. Um, Yep, and uh, play suzerain, and it's straight up just like an ex-Soviet country in despair, with you know, wedged between NATO and Russia simulator. Hmm. Oh wow! Uh, they change all the names, but it's very clear who is who. Um, and it really, really give you kind. It's a good even-handed game that kind of gives perspective on how easy it is to fuck yourself, and how your choices are kind of just choosing how you're going to get fucked. And even then, you might be wrong and just get fucked both ways. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Puppet Simulator leadership game. It's great. I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I wish in, in, in my imaginary world of hope, I, I wish that this could be a great lesson in like, hey, this is, this, is what, this is what modern nations look like and they're not going to stop. And if we don't start attacking, you know, this concept as, as, fi- as, challenging to envision as that is uh we're just going to keep repeating this uh all over the globe as we as we currently are in so many other places that don't get 24 hours of msnbc coverage uh but this is this is just what what imperial nations do this is this is the game plan we are currently doing it all over the world but now we we are pretending to be offended by it um yeah it's it's the dynamics of power and power concentration in a new order mm -hmm. And um, you can really, it really is just all about power. Um, the same way that the fact the, you know, the American government just domestically is constantly split now in terms of uh, small majorities are kind of the norm. Mm -hmm. um, again, the theory that dumb people have, and a lot of dumb people have this theory, is, oh, if there's 50 Democrats and 50 Republicans, that means they have to work together to get anything done. But of course the practical reality of it is when we had a one party state where Democrats had, you know, 52 years mm. of democratic control in the Senate out of 62 years of it, you know, like That's in right. that mid 20th mm -hmm. century, yeah. that was when you had the most crossover and you had the most crossover because the, the power involved was basically required. If you were in the minority party, your only choice was to negotiate mm -hmm. uh, different terms with your consent to make legislation bipartisan that was going to happen anyway. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Um, and now the answer is just everyone can nuke everything. And that, you know, there's no getting around the fact that 50 and 50 and you know or 52 and 48 is always going to be terrible yeah. that it actually provides less incentive for cooperation and we're kind of seeing that in the sense that it used to be pax americana america was just yep. the one party government running everything yep. and it came with a body count but it also came with the understanding that there was one nuclear power who was the real game in town and that is like changed even yeah. though the soviets fell and we lived in that new world that world was brief and now mm -hmm. it's we're reverting back to the whole like territorial region yeah yeah and that's weirdly more progressive <laughs>
Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a great point. And the final thing I'll say on nukes is for anyone who feels like, oh, this isn't on the table. This is not this is not a real concern. Obviously, no one's going to end the world. Uh, you have not done your reading on American history. We have such a long history of people wanting to end the world. I mean, just look at look at Kissinger getting his start in politics, being like, no, we should use nukes. And like, like. We just have so many times in history where we came a hair's breadth away. Uh, like it is, it is a real thing that uh, that can go down, and and we have come close a lot more times than I think is in the modern American consciousness. Yeah, and it, you know, a lot of our nuclear, um, a lot of our nuclear past involved. Um, it involved people try on both sides trying to trick the other side into thinking they were going to nuke them to trick them into conventional warfare. And which is just so fucking insane Mm -hmm. as a concept. We're going to trick them into thinking we're nuking them so that they engage in the conventional war instead of just nuking them, you know, which would be obviously the immediate response. But it, you know, Putin invading Ukraine was uh, the U.S. government says Putin's going to invade Ukraine every time they've done these exercises. They've said it three times officially, mm-hmm. and they've uh, they've kind of inferred it's going to happen other times. Mm-hmm. But it really is truly a mad thing that like not only was there an invasion, but that it went all the way to Kiev. Yeah. That it wasn't. Uh, that it didn't just stop in Donbas, which right. if he would have stopped in Donbas, he would everything would probably. I mean, there might be some sanctions now, but um, that was what I thought his play was. Like that's, right. that's what I thought the move for Putin was. And it's kind of been what he's been saying for a while. Mm. Like he's been kind of you know, like we uh, Donbas is ours, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. um, it's also worth like. There's so many polls on Donbas, by the way, of like, should the Russians control us? And it's like never below uh, if the options, if you take all the options off the table and it's like either Russia controls us or NATO, it is straight up like 50 50 in Donbas. Like, now most people default to like, no, I want to freeze on all violence and Mm -hmm. yada yada. Like, that's that is everyone's default, but. You know, when the issue got forced into making them an independent region that was under the domain of Russia and not part of Russia, it was it was not unpopular. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But Putin's also like actively like building those coalitions, and uh, it's he's not a passive uh, party in all this, and it's important to remember both America and Putin have basically been propagandizing this entire country. And just, you know, again, it's, it's the, the fucking uh, love triangle with two abusive cop boyfriends. Like, yep, I think that was very trenchant oof, and uh, yeah. is a good place to bring it home with a reminder that like, yep, this is this is a story of of like you said, who's who's going to fuck you first? Yep. And, uh, and then, you know, a week from now, the headline will be a uh, police officer and wife dead. And then you read the right. article and it says that it was a murder suicide that he yep. did. I yep. saw that. Insane. <laughs> yeah. Mm, Google oh, LAST fuck. gangs. Um, okay. Let's bring it home, guys. I think, uh, I think we have set our piece and it is time to go back to uh, trying to carve out uh, existence in our hellscape. 
Uh, Hell yeah. Does that sound good to y'all? Yep. Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go plant my tomatoes. Hell yeah. Oh, that Hell sounds yeah. nice. Yeah. All right. My name is Michael Tabor. You can find me at Michael Tabor. Uh, my name is Zachary Allard. You can find me at Zachary underscore Allard. And most importantly, Grim, where can people find you? At Exile Grim, and I'm working on the uh, the Greatest Generation. Uh, podcast i love and, it uh hoping to drop it late this year okay Great. i, I am what? so excited for that yeah give us the pitch Me too yeah uh the pitch is um basically stealing the entire premise from blowback of a good deep dive well-researched highly produced podcast but i'm covering uh the great depression uh and each episode is meant to be under an hour but give a really good uh detailed um, and even-handed uh, uh, rundown of a specific thing in the Great Depression. So, for example, one episode is going to be on the New York Hoovervilles. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one on the Bonus Army, and you know, such we'll a such a major. poorly yeah. understood time. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Everyone's kind of trying to put the square peg of history in the round hole of now. Yeah. It's uh, I, I'm very excited for that. I, I frankly, how dare you for pimping research on this podcast uh, and production values. God, too. Uh, but uh, I cannot wait. Uh, and yeah, I think I think that blowback rubric is a rich one. Uh, they do great work. So I, I think it's yeah. it's a great place to be like, cool, I'm going to do that for this. Yep. Well, we'll have yep. to have you back on and we will surely uh, pip it when it comes out. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you for confirming I'm not totally insane because uh, <laughs> uh, it, can, it can feel very insanity making when you're like, I think this is a lot more complicated than, uh, but you're not mm -hmm. seeing that a lot of places. No, not at all. Um, Carl Baher is pretty good on that, by the way, if you follow okay, him. Okay, cool. Duly noted. Thank Go you ahead. so much Go. for listening, everyone. Uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Mm -hmm.